and I felt centered. Like I didn't feel pulled from the outside. I was just stable on the inside. Like I don't know how to explain it, but having a morning routine really reminds you that you are you no matter what's going on outside of you. Like mm -hmm. the city, um, things that you're doing, those don't define me. I define me. Hey y'all, it's Naomi here. I'm delighted that you are tuning into this episode with my remarkable guest. If you walk away with something that you can apply to your own journey, please let the both of us know. Leave a review, send me a message. I love to hear the feedback about how these stories impact you and how it's influenced your approach when it comes to living out your why. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 15 of the Power of Why podcast. My name is Naomi Haile, and today I am joined by the amazing Francesca Phillips. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, so Francesca is a writer, entrepreneur, and blogger. She started um, Go Bloom in the City a few years back. And the reason I wanted her on this on the podcast was to really, you know, unpack with her some of the internal dialogue that she had when, you know, moving from moving and living in different cities and, you know, her and kind of her thought process when starting her business and then how she continues to put out such creative content online. That's how I came across her work on Instagram. And you've worked in the music industry, you spent time in marketing and in the tech set sector. And you have a wide range of impressive opportunities that you just seized, right, throughout your life. You started your journey in L.A., you moved to Switzerland with your husband, and now you currently live in New York. So I really, really would love for you to talk about uh, you know, your origin story and what came before all of this to where you are today. Yay! Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> I, oh, my gosh. It's so funny because a lot of people, when I tell them, kind of where I've started with things to now, they always yeah. ask, how old are you? Because it's like <laughs> so many different things. Yeah. And I'm like, I wonder how old they actually think I am. But um, mm. I'm in my late 20s. And it's just funny because like I never thought of it that way. Like I always just thought, oh yeah, at that point I was there. And at this point I was here, but I never mm -hmm. realized like how much time actually, like how many things I've actually done in such a short amount of time. Mm, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, when I was, 18 I moved to Los Angeles I grew up in Arizona and I loved singing I loved dancing I loved writing songs I loved writing everything and so for me it was like as soon as I graduate I'm going to move to LA and so I did and I also went to school while I was there and I basically worked at the at a bank during the day went to school as well and then at night I would just network at any event that I could, any entertainment event. It, it was even, I think I was interning for a fashion designer at some point. Yeah. And I just figured as long as you can just do anything within like a similar area, you can get your foot in the door and music. Right. Mm. So, um, yeah, I just worked for this fashion designer. She had a show on MTV and I remember my friend was doing a show at the Roxy on sunset in Hollywood and he had this girl group that was going to be opening for him because they were fairly new. And so the label wanted to test them out basically and see how an audience reacted with them. Yeah. And at the time, Miley Cyrus was really good friends with Mandy Giroux and Mandy Giroux was in this girl group. And so when my friend was asked to see if this group could open up for him, he had me um, coordinate between the girl group and yeah. the venue to make sure that they had all their needs. And he, because he knew that I wanted to, um, to be yeah, in the music industry. Yeah. So it was very sweet of him to do that. And he's actually like a public speaker now, motivational speaker, and he's amazing. Um, and he has his own podcast and we're still friends to this day. It's like 11, 12 years later, but this was like at the very beginning. And so I thought, so, okay, sorry, I'm like trying to think of this the right way, but um, <laughs> well, basically I started working with them yeah. and I got this idea of having the fashion designer style the girl group because I'm like, they, she has a show on MTV and you need some, some people to like have on the show to style. And so I connected them and it became this much bigger thing than it was originally supposed to be. Mm -hmm. That really caught the eye of the woman that was managing about the time. And so I asked her, I said, listen, I want to work in the music industry, like anything that you need. 
I can walk your dog. I can babysit your kid. Like whatever it will take for me to stay on your radar, let me know. And so she just told me to keep in touch with her. And so six, it literally was six months of just re reaching out to her, reminding her that I existed, reminding her what I wanted. So yeah. this like a fast thing. It took a lot of effort and work to do it. Mm -hmm. and after six months, she calls me when I'm in Arizona for my dad's birthday. And she asked me, what I was doing tomorrow and it was Saturday and she's like, can you meet me tomorrow Sunday to meet the record label? And this was rock mafia. They were the ones that were writing for like Disney, like Miley Cyrus, Demi Lovato, all these people. And she's like, can you come meet the team tomorrow? Because I got a promotion at ASCAP and I'm taking it. And I'm like, okay. And so <laughs> I literally flew back. And then that next night I met the team. I met the girl group again. Yeah. And, um, and that was it. And they're like, when can you start can you come in like on Tuesday to meet someone else? And I'm like, sure. And so I put my two weeks in at the bank the next day. Wow. Like, yeah. It was, it was so scary though, because I was like, I'm actually like doing the thing I said I was going to do. Yeah. So anyways, I, you know, transitioned into music. I worked at the songwriting house. And then after a year and a half, I had made a relationship with, Kenneth Creer, who is, he's managed Sierra, the Backstreet Boys. He's managed like all these other people. And he was managing the girl group and his assistant was leaving. And so I asked, hey, like, can I talk yeah. to interview for this position? And so she like said, sure, of course. And so I took over her job. And so for the next three years, I was helping with tours. And at the time it was Mindless Behavior. It was this R&B group of like, four young boys and they were the sweetest kids ever. I loved them. Um, and so I was helping with that. And then we had a couple of other artists and it was just really hard. It was really difficult, but it was really fun. I did songwriting during that time. I was trying to like do all these other projects. And then after like three and a half years, I decided that I wasn't in a really good place anymore. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the entertainment industry, while it's wonderful and there are good people, uh, there were a couple things that kind of like jaded me and made me feel like I wasn't in the right place anymore. And so um, I, I don't know if you've read Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, but she explained You it mentioned it the last time we chatted. <laughs> yes. Okay. Like it changed everything because um, I never knew why I resented music for so long. But like at that time when I was ready to leave, I was just so upset and like, angry because this was something that I've been wanting for my whole life. I've spent yeah. so many years in it and why does it feel so wrong and why doesn't it, why isn't it working as much as I thought it would? And so I, I, years later when I read her book, she talks about how when you depend on your creativity for money, then you start to resent it. And I was like, that's exactly what happened. I was depending on my creativity of songwriting, of working in music to give me money. And because I couldn't survive off of the money I was making, I started resenting it. Mm. So I ended up leaving to just get a temp job as a marketing assistant. Um, was was this also in LA? Yes, this was all in LA. And it was for like a property management company and it was only like five or six months. But then I found another job at a tech company. Mm. It was the first time that I ever realized that you can actually work in a place where you feel happy and people are really nice. And I mean, granted, you know, like not every place is perfect, but it's like the first time that I actually was in a healthy work environment. And Amazing. Like I wasn't there very long because shortly after my husband, we weren't married at the time, but we were um, really like seriously about to get engaged and he got um, a job offer and they told him that the case you're working on is going to require you to be in Switzerland for three months. At the time we thought it was three months. And so we were just like, okay, well, we want to be together and if it's only three months, I don't want to miss that time with you. So why don't we just get engaged and get married in a month? And we had already been dating like two and a half years at this time. So it's, yeah. not, it's not like we just met two months ago. And yeah, like, yeah. And then decided to kind of not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like after two and a half years, we're like, okay, like if we get married in a month, then that'll just include the time people usually take for being engaged. Okay. So, um, so I was at the tech hey, company. it worked for you. I mean, oh, no. that's amazing. It's, it's a blessing. And so, yeah. Um, even though I was sad to leave the tech company, no one blamed me for wanting to like move to switch to them. Yeah, yeah. So 
we ended up getting married and then we went in like July of 2015 and like literally like two days after we got married, we went to London for our honeymoon and then right to Switzerland. So it was just like so fast that it happened. Yeah. Yeah. And so after the three months went by, um, we went back home to LA for a little bit and then they said, you know what, can you come back for another three months? And so we ended up doing a tourist visa where you stay three months and then you go home for three months and you stay for three months and go home for three months. So we did that for a couple times because we didn't have visas. And then after like a year, they're like, you just need to stay permanently. So they got us both to be able to just stay there permanently. And yeah. so um, during that time, because we were going back and forth so much, I was reselling clothing. So I would go to LA thrift mark thrift stores and I would find designer clothing and then mark them up and sell them because it was like when this you would go back to Switzerland. Is that how I it would works? Go back to LA. So I would come back to LA. Yeah, yeah. Find like months worth of clothing. I would take pictures. I would size them, and then we would fly back to Switzerland, and I would have someone in the states ship it for me when I awesome. sold it. So um, I tried to keep that running as long as possible, but then I realized, okay. The only way to like make a profit on this is if I'm always buying inventory. Like you mm -hmm. always have to be buying things and I couldn't keep up with it after a certain point. And so I was like, okay, like now that I'm in Switzerland and I'm traveling, I'm doing all these things. How can I use this for my advantage? Because I know in corporate America, if you don't have like a consistent resume, that's like linear and makes sense, then you won't get a job. At least that's what people tell you. Right. And so I said, okay, well, let me at least do things that are going to keep my skills fresh and that I can grow and learn. And so I started, uh, at the time it was called Bloom Daily Blog. Yep. And it was partly created because I felt alone. I felt isolated. Even though I had friends in Zurich, it wasn't the same. Like it's really different when you're not in your home country around the culture you're used to, around the language you're used to. So I was like, well, I know that there are people out there who love the books that I read too, who love discussing them. Because that's the thing is I find it's hard sometimes to meet groups of people who can just go there with you, mm -hmm. who can beneath the surface, who can, you know, read those like same self-help books or motivational books and like really get excited about it. And so I... It's crazy when you find people like that. And that's how, that's why I think the internet is so beautiful is that, you know, when you're out there and you're sharing the content that really resonates to you and your take on it, that's how I found you, right? And yes. that's how we connected. Um, because you, I came across your page and the stuff that you were um, sharing in your blog on your on your Instagram feed and I was like oh my god Francesca sounds really cool I, I think I need to know her <laughs> um, and I think it's so important for us to put out the content that resonates with us because that's how you build community of, of like-minded individuals right so that's what you that's what you did in Zurich yes continue no seriously that makes me so happy because you're right like had I not done it, I wouldn't have met you. And like, I know I can talk to you about certain things that I couldn't other people. And it's, right. it's so special. It's so amazing. And trust me, I didn't feel this way though at first. Like I felt so vulnerable. I felt so nervous. And like, I took, you know, the people unfollowing me very seriously. And I was like, at first just very like scared of it, but now it's like definitely evolved and I'm much better, but like, it was scary at first, but I knew that I wanted to connect with people like you, like find those people. Mm. And like yeah you get it so um after a year or so I or like during that year as well like I started doing I wanted to get more involved in writing so like I hunkered down and I literally studied like all these blog posts all these books I started buying books about writing because I really felt inspired like I'm I believe in God and so I prayed to know like my direction like I'm here I'm in a place where I could really like get life experience. Like, what am I supposed to do? And I just got this feeling, right. You're supposed to write. And this was like for a year, strong answer of writing, writing, writing. I'm like, okay. So like I had just started making goals of like writing a certain amount of blog posts per month. Um, yeah. uh, I did like some writing groups in Zurich. This one woman is amazing. She's um, an expat. She was an expat as well. She came from Boston, I think, but she, was a contributor to Huffington Post, like an amazing writer. And so she had this group that she started and I started really like getting so much better because of it. And, um, just really like 
it was basically like I went in a cave and like hashed out like everything and then came back into the world. It was like, okay, this is what I learned. Here we go. And so, um, but at the same time, even though I was doing those things, I remember I would wake up at like 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. And even though that sounds cool, and I'm sure a lot of people would love <laughs> the luxury of waking up that late, I just remember waking up and being like, I'm getting nothing done. Like I feel directionless. Like even though I know I'm supposed to write, I feel like I'm just repeating the same day over and over. Right. And it was really hard to reconcile with that. And so at the time I heard that, uh, a lot of people were doing morning routines and I read about it on medium, which was um, really new at the time. And that was where I was testing out a lot of my writing because you get that feedback from people. And so my friend too, who owns Cove and has a podcast called what the F Taylor, she at the time too was really about morning routines. And so I texted her and said, Hey, like what's your morning routine. And so she sent it back to me and I'm like, all right, I'm doing this. I'm going to just try this because I can't wake up every day the same way, right? Like I was just tired of being in the same place. Mm. And so I tried. What was that feeling like? So you would wake up, you would wake up at like 10 o'clock and let's just say you were lying there on your bed. Yeah. What were you telling yourself? Or what were some of the thoughts that were going through your head? Did you just, you said you felt directionless? Yeah. Um, and at that point you were in Zurich for a year, right? A little over a year? like two years because I know the first part was like on and off, but like a good two years, I'd say like maybe a year and a half probably. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know about the thoughts that I told myself, but I just remember feeling like I'm here in this amazing place. I get to have my time complete. Like it's all my own. I don't have to like work for anyone else. And yet why do I feel sad? Like mm. why do I feel like I don't have a purpose right now? Like I have all of these like, emotions and like desires but I didn't know how to plug it into the actual world that I was living if that makes sense like I was reading all of the books I was reading you know you are a badass I was reading like all of these things but I'm like okay but like why can't I just plug it into what I'm doing like I just felt this major disconnect and I don't know if at the time I might have been depressed a little bit because I know I went through that when we first moved there it was just such a big change but um I think it was more too that I was sick of being the person that I was like, I'm like, okay, like I have all these desires and stuff, but why can't I just be disciplined? Like mm -hmm. I was kind of mad at myself. I'm like, you want to do these things and yet you can't wake up at eight o'clock. You want to do all these things and yet you watch TV instead of doing this other thing. So it was more of like an annoyance and knowing that there's no way this is going to change unless I do. So. That's powerful. And I think um, the reason I wanted you to expand on that is because you're definitely not alone in that. Um, I think a lot of people have, you know, similar feelings or go through periods where, like, I know what I need to be doing, but actually going out and doing it is like, I don't know why, but you're just not motivated or feel, um, you know, any way compelled to just freaking do it. Um, and it's tough, like, and for me, specifically when I was feeling that way, it was because I was overanalyzing everything. I needed everything to be, like, if I was working on a project or this podcast, for example, I needed everything to be perfect. And there's no way that it could be. But, like, me overthinking every little detail, just, it was, I was procrastinating. And I, seriously, I, I, I don't know why. But there, what was that push for you? Was it when you met this writer? Um, this writer? So I think for me, it was my morning routine. To be honestly, to be honest, that changed everything. And to kind of go back to what you were saying, I think it's cool that you pointed out about the perfectionism and needing everything to be just right, or you're like overanalyzing. That's an extension of fear. Yeah. Like all of those procrastination, um, you know, I mean, procrastination can happen for lack of discipline as well. But I think like with the perfectionism and needing things to be right. Cause I have a little bit of that too. And I just remember I'd always think it had to be perfect before I release something. But obviously like now we know that, okay, done is better than perfect. But um, yeah, it's very interesting how fear and like our beliefs that hold us down can like manifest in different ways. But yeah, for me, I'm telling you it was my morning routine that literally like I will tell it all day long. Like that was the thing that changed everything for me. Like right. I, I went from this person who couldn't be consistent, who couldn't be disciplined 
to like being able to have a routine to managing my time better to getting more done to building momentum like and even to this day like I feel like it's taken years to build upon but even now I see things growing and getting bigger because of that one starting point so start your day off right and everything else will follow tight mentality yep okay so what did that morning routine look like when you were first starting out and I'm sure it has evolved now but what did it look like at the beginning So at the beginning, I honestly, because I just didn't know how to do it, I looked at my friend's morning routine and I looked at um, Benjamin Hardy. He was, at the time, on Medium. He was a really popular Medium writer. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, like he was blowing up at the time and I really followed all of his blog posts and he had one on morning routines. So I took a picture of the two of them. And so I think at first it was like, I should have pulled out the paper because I wrote it down. but. I think it was like, wake up, say a prayer, eat breakfast, work out. Um, You know, like I'm trying to think of what else was in the beginning. Um, I think it was read affirmations and like a couple of other things. And I quickly realized after like a couple days that the order didn't feel right to me. And then Mm. like affirmations that didn't feel right for me in my morning routine. So I took that out. And so like I put other things in it. And so like it kind of just like I allowed my, feelings to dictate what felt mm-hmm. right and what actually lifted me up and then eventually yeah. it morphed to what it is now. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's definitely what we need in a more morning routine changes as we change, right. And evolve. And I'm sure, um, taking your friends, um, you know, early morning routine and playing around with it, right. Like just going off what your gut was telling you and, um, morphing it into something that would actually specifically help you achieve yeah. what you wanted to do. So how long did it, so you, let's say you started that, you did start that. How long did it take for you to start actually seeing results in your life and starting to see things shift? Well, I would say probably after a month or two because I wasn't consistent in the beginning. So like even though I had a routine, I would miss two days or I would miss three days and then I would go back to it. And I kind of like waffled, mm-hmm. but then I started noticing how much better I felt, how much more productive my days were when I did do it. And so after about a month, I'm like, okay, Francesca, like you either need to take this seriously yeah. and then you'll actually grow into who you want to become or you don't, but stop like in being in this gray area. And so, um, yeah, I would say like a month or two. And then that's when I just started seeing the difference. That's powerful. What does your morning routine look like now? Because I know, um, you know, at that time, I'm sure adding some structure to your day was, you know, a part of what you needed. Yes. You just, you moved back to, um, and you didn't finish your story yet, but you moved back to New York um, from, from Switzerland. Um, and now you're working full time. So, you know, yeah. what has, how has that adjustment been for you? What have you learned? Oh my gosh, this is so good. So, um, Basically, so after the end of the third year, we actually just moved back to the States in June of 2018. So we haven't been in the States for a year, but we went back to LA and after a week of being in LA, uh, my husband's uh, job that he's at asked him if he wouldn't mind working from the New York office instead of the LA office. And three weeks later, we're like in New York. Like it literally just, ha- again, like it's so funny. A lot of the major things in our life has happened within the span of a month. It's yeah. Like, All right. Like, let's do it. And thankfully we're both adventurous enough where we're like, you know, of course we want to pray and see if it feels good to us. And if it feels good, yeah. we'll take the rest along the way. So I love that. That's very inspiring. And it, it shows, well, it shows me, for example, that, you know, you said a lot of those big decisions happen within the span of a month but also that you didn't necessarily plan them to happen that way, but you were so open to saying yes and just going for it. And even if you didn't have all the answers aligned, you knew that you were going to figure it out, right? With your, with your partner. And see, this is the thing that it kind of keeps popping in my head too, is like, and I'll get to like how my morning routine has changed, but I think, and this is something I'm learning all the time too, But for anyone who's listening who might feel like they need to look here or talk to this person for answers, 
we don't realize just how much the answers to a lot of our questions in life are already within us. Yeah, I knew they're already cool. there. Yeah. And that is the biggest lesson that I've learned through all of this is like, holy crap, like I thought I had to talk to so many people. I thought I had to get the approval of so many people. And I think this is why the morning routine helped me so much because you start to learn that you uniquely need something different than someone else. So like I couldn't just do my friend's routine. I had to make it my own and I had to listen to myself and see what I needed. And through that process, it kind of like flowered into other areas of my life. It's like, okay, I had those answers the whole time and I just never cared to learn that. And so this was fun because moving back to the States, it was really tough because we loved living abroad. Like it was one of the best experiences of my life. Like I grew so much as a person. I experimented with so many things and I didn't feel guilty about it. Cause I feel like in the States, it's really easy to feel pressure to just be working and going and doing and like not allowing yourself to just naturally grow and progress so I feel really lucky. And the thing is, you don't have to live in Europe to have this happen. It was just a mindset and like a choice, like choosing to just let yourself be and then see what happens. But when we came back to the States and I knew we were moving to New York City, I read the first thing I thought of was, okay, this is the test now. Like this is when the morning routine is really going to be put to work because at this point, Everyone knows that, I, that I'm obsessed with them. And I've told them <laughs> I have my morning routine guide. I'm helping all of these people with their own morning routines. And I'm like, okay, like now I'm going to have so many changes happening. So I have to see what that means now. So like two weeks before we left, I remember doing my morning routine every day, like did not skip it once. And then thinking, okay, when I get to New York City, what are the three things? Like, I know I can't do my morning routine every day because we're going to be displaced. We're going to be at a friend's house. We're going to be searching for apartments. So I'm like, okay, what does a morning routine look like when you're that busy? Yeah. So I thought, okay, I need to exercise. I need to do yoga because that's a form of meditation. I need to meditate and I need to read my scriptures and pray. And so I'm like, okay, those are the necessities, the non-negotiables. And I remember talking to myself would be like, this is non-negotiable. Your sanity, your health is non-negotiable no matter what's happening. And it's like a pep talk, I guess. Yeah. And so when we finally got there, I just, as soon as I felt stressed, I'm like, did you do your scripture study? Did you pray? Did yeah. you find a way to exercise? I looked up a yoga studio near my, uh, my husband's friend's place a week before we left. So I already knew where I was going. I bought the pass. Like I basically, I planned my, for myself before the chaos set in. So that way I had no work to do. I had no excuse. Mm -hmm. So it literally was the only thing that kept me sane because we were literally seeing 10 apartments a day. We were running around the city all over. Like we had just like our stuff wasn't even here. Like it was just crazy. And so I remember because I knew that I was going to at least work out two times a week, I was going to be doing those things. I felt a sense of calm and I felt centered. Like I didn't feel pulled from the outside. I was just stable on the inside. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but having a morning routine really reminds you that you are you no matter what's going on outside of you. Like mm -hmm. the city, um, things that you're doing, those don't define me. I define me. And so mm -hmm. that kind of is what kept me like anchored. And um, so yeah, like now for my morning routine, I do. So this year I added um, reading the secret money app. I don't know if you've heard of it. Oh. My friend just told me about it. And it's, it's like the secret, the, the book or the, yeah, the movie book. Yeah. It's called money. It's called the secret money. And this year, like my biggest goal is to start investing and to start more money and I have some blocks against money right and so this app basically you read 20 affirmations a day about abundance and wealth and then you write down your seven desires and money and then you also it gives you these fake checks so like every day it deposits money into your fake account and it tells you to spend it so like, it'll be like $500, spend it. And then it gives you $1,000 and you're supposed to spend it. So like you say, oh, I'll buy three Kate Spade dresses and you put the price down and it like teaches you to be okay with spending money and not being afraid and like being scarce about it. So I, yeah. So I started including that into my morning routine, but it's still pretty much similar where I wake up, I say a prayer, 
I read my scriptures. I meditate for 15 minutes every day with my Headspace app. Like that's non-negotiable, especially transitioning into my new job. I, it's absolutely necessary because when you go through big changes, it's easy to feel off center and nervous and all of these other things. But when you keep meditating and you keep on your routine, it helps you to stay focused on what's important. And then I usually do daily pages which is three pages of stream of consciousness. It just gets every worry and anxiety out on paper and out of my mind. And then I'll read a page from the simple abundance book. I think I actually, hold on. I have it one second. (laughs) I have like my little uh, morning routine corner over there. But um, so this is the book. So you wake up and you come to your living room and you do this? Correct. Yes. So I go to the same spot every day and then, so I'll read this. And sorry, I'm kind of like scattered about my routine, so I can type it to you later. But I'll read a page from this, and it's all about finding your authenticity, and it's amazing. And then I'll fill out my five-minute journal. This is just stream of consciousness, right? Or no, this is something else. Yeah, so stream of consciousness is just a notebook. Right, okay. But this one is like amazing because um, you write three things you're grateful for. Yeah things that would make today great and then a daily affirmation and then at night you kind of review your day and I like it because the gratitude part is amazing because it reminds you that there's always something to be grateful for and then for a while now I've gone by the motto of having three things to do for the day and then not feeling guilty for anything more like as long as you have just three things on your list and you just three things then you should be proud of yourself so Anyways, that's pretty much my routine. And sometimes I won't do my daily pages until nighttime or a couple days. Like, it just depends how much time I have. So. Mm-hmm. And you, and what, okay, so there are, few, there are a lot of things in there that I would love to touch. Um, yeah. One being, you mentioned that, you know, when you moved to your new spot in New York and it was very hectic, you had booked your, you know, the yoga studio pass so that, you just made it, you made it easier on yourself, which is insane because Mel Robbins was talking about her morning routine. And something that really stood out to me um, from that is she's like, I make sure that everything in my kitchen is clean because she has two children. Every, everything in my kitchen is clean. And when I wake up, I'm coming to a very positive and my space doesn't seem chaotic. And she, for herself, she lays down on her, you know, kitchen countertop her island and she puts down everything that she needs for the next morning which includes her journal um which includes the stuff that she knows she'll need in the morning so when she gets up she's not running around it's very she's basically set it up for herself so that she can be effective and efficient in her you know when starting her day um so i really appreciate that you did that because oftentimes it's like even to do the small things for me for example even doing the small things like like booking, like buying that book that I said I was going to buy for the past two weeks and just not getting around to it or making that appointment with my doctor. Um, It's all about just like making it as easy as possible for, for you the next day or for you that evening, Um, which is, which is really amazing. And I wanted to note that that was something that you could do to help yourself up, help yourself out, you know, like Francesca. No, absolutely. And I'm sure everyone's heard by now about decision fatigue and how we only yeah. have a of willpower a day. Yeah. So it's like, okay. So when I, I went to Catholic school growing up and uh, up until like freshman year of high school, and then I went to public school, but for some reason, like, you know how, when you're growing up, there's certain like moments or things that people say that still stick with you, even though yeah. you were like, really young. Yeah. So this one teacher of mine, I'll never forget it. And I don't know why it stuck with me and it still does, but she was talking about how, um, you know, when you wake up and you have your alarm, right? And you just hit your snooze button, you snooze, 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 and then you end up being late to whatever you're trying to get to because you snoozed for too long. Right. Like, think about it. If you wake up at like seven o'clock and then you snooze, are those five minutes really going to make you not tired? Like <laughs> 10 minutes, 15 minutes, really going to all of a sudden magically like make those tiredness disappear? She's like, no, you need like, hours or you need like a better like night's rest like she's like that snooze button is not going to solve that problem so she said just get up anyway like get up and stop snoozing and I'm like oh my gosh and like for some reason that's kind of like woven through a lot of things so like you know at the end of the day 
I'm sure the last thing people want to do is like prepare your lunch or put your outfit, you know, your outfit out for the next day, which is something I try to do, but sometimes I don't do it. Yes. But the more you help yourself for the next day, that's less decisions you have to make. And that's less decision fatigue that you're going to have. So it's like, like you said, think of your future self mm -hmm. and guess what? hitting the snooze button on your life. Maybe the snooze button is waiting until tomorrow to make your lunch. Or maybe the snooze button is, um, watching TV instead of getting that blog post done. Or maybe the snooze button is not editing those videos at night, which is my snooze button right now. That's my snooze button. <laughs> no, seriously. But it's like, no, like that 15 minutes of watching TV is not going to just magically fix everything. So just do it. Just think ahead and be like, how can I set myself up for success and help myself tomorrow the best I can? Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's laying it down too. It's interesting. You mentioned in your five minute journal, one thing is like regrouping and talk about, you know, how the day went. Yes. Um, Tim Ferriss, who I absolutely love. He did yeah, a, he's the one that like he basically like pioneered, did he pioneer that. Oh, yeah. Okay. He partnered up with intelligent change and it's because of him that I heard about this. Well, he just continues to do great things, I guess. <laughs> um, but he interviewed Jim Collins who wrote the book good to great. Okay. And um, in that talk, something that was um, really resonated with me is Jim Collins talked about um, having a bug book. So he had to, he made efforts to study himself like as if he were an insect or a bug. And part of that was writing, was rating his day. So, and this is something that I started to implement last week. So at the end of the day, he rates his day as like a zero, negative one, um, negative two, or on the positive side, one and positive two. And if I rate my day a two, for example, and that means that it was really great, I would write, I would try to like, you know, write down what exactly and try to pinpoint what exactly, um, the, were the reasons why this day went really well. And it could be, you know, I grabbed coffee with someone and really strategized, um, you know, how we're going to take on this project. I, um, you know, did this really amazing thing at work, whatever it was. And he does this activity every single day. He studies himself um, like an insect, like a bug. And over time, you start to notice patterns, right? You start to notice the things that um, really made up your day if you, you know, had a bad day, for example. And then you try to incorporate as much as, as much of um, the, you know, the good moments and the good things that happened as a means to implement that moving forward. Um, and that's really great because, as, you know, if you start your day with that five-minute journal and you're writing, you know, things that you're grateful for and, and the three things that you want to do, it's so important to go back and reflect on, you know, how it went. Yeah, because so there's what, no point in doing things if you're not seeing if they're working. Exactly. Exactly. So when did you start, when did you start with the five minute journal and you know, what has it brought you? I think I started it like, I want to say two or three years ago. Cause they, each book is six months. So I want to say this is like my third or fourth one. So I would say, yeah, two years ago. That sounds about right. Okay. Um, so sorry, what were you asking about the journal specifically? The journal, like what has it brought you? Has it brought you clarity? Has it Yes. What do you love about it? I, well, first of all, I love that it literally takes less than five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe at first it did, but um, yeah, I love that I start my day with what I'm grateful for. Um, and then I love, yeah, that it's just three things to focus on and then my daily affirmation. So definitely it brings me clarity because I focus more. I'm not so scattered brain on 10 different things. I just see what's most important right now. Right. And then love to at the end it says three amazing things that happened today and some days have sucked and the only amazing thing I can think of is that I rested or that I like didn't cry or like you know what I mean like, <laughs> really amazing things do happen and then at the bottom it says how could I have made today even better and so that's the part where he encourages you to reflect and genuinely be like how could I have made today better and then if you look back at past entries I can see patterns sometimes yeah I have a lot of them that say eat healthier and I'm like, okay, okay. Like clearly that's something I want to work on. And clearly right. that's something that's like, you know, bugging me right now. But I definitely would say clarity and the fact that it's so quick, like a lot of people think that changing your life and being aware takes a lot of like time 
And maybe it does in certain efforts, but like, seriously, this takes less than five minutes and this has helped me be aware so much. Like it's the easiest way to do it because it's already written out. All you have to do is just fill it in. Fill it in, fill it in. Yeah. yeah. And okay, your comment about, you know, people think that um, taking the efforts to change your life is time consuming. Um, you know, it can take a lot of effort, but like in my conversations with people, I've noticed that, you know, a lot of these changes started with something really small. Yes. And like these small things over time build up to really, really big, impactful changes. And I think sometimes when people, you know, say that change is going to require you like all this effort and all this, like I'll never get to it because it just sounds too big in my mind. Yes. If you can just adjust one thing like adding a morning routine or writing down what you're grateful for at the end of the day, like you start, you have to start somewhere and these can be really small steps that you could take. Exactly. No. And that's exactly what it was. Like yeah. my morning routine took me 10 minutes in the morning and I changed nothing else. And then it like quickly gained momentum and snowballed into something bigger. And so I'm right. glad you pointed that out. Like it doesn't take some like big humongous change. It just starts little and starts small. And yeah, I always, I always want to say too that like anyone that may be listening who is like, Oh, it's going to take a lot of effort or whatever. It's like not doing anything takes a lot of effort. Thank so you. it's like, it doesn't matter. Like you, do you want to use the effort to actually growing and living your fullest best life? Or do you want to just use the same amount of effort to be sad and miserable and like not wanting to do anything? Right. Oh no, I completely agree with you. Um, yeah, one of the things that I really wanted to talk about was a running routine and you touched like it embedded in all of your questions, which is your answers, which is, you know, something that really resonates with you. Are there any, um, like habits that you do throughout the day, for example, um, that's not necessarily tied with your morning routine that have been really positive for you? Um, I'm trying to think throughout the day. I think I try to make sure that I check in with myself. Mm. So if I'm feeling stressed or tired, I'll just like either stand up and stretch. Like I'll do some stretches throughout the day and I'll make sure like if I don't feel centered or if I don't know it, like if I don't feel myself, then I'm like, okay, what's wrong? Am I not present? Like, am I being present? Like I do just these self check-ins to make sure that I'm always like aware and present. Cause I think, yeah, it's really easy to get stuck in work and other things. And so, and the routine of that. Yeah. And I try to, um, like before I eat something or before I do something, I sit and say, well, what does my inner self say? Like, what am I, what am I actually feeling right now? Like I want to eat this, but do I actually just want water? Like I kind of just like allow myself room to like hear answers to things. Yeah. And ask yourself questions. I feel like, and I think that's the reason why, um, like with season two of the podcast, and this is going to come out in maybe a month or so, um, the reason why I want to talk more about self-awareness is because I think like that's how you get to fulfillment. That's how you get to doing the things that that you want to do and feel good about. And you know, that example of the morning routine, like you, you know, um, you asking your friend to send you hers is like the perfect example because you realize I needed to shift it and mold it and morph it into something that would work for me. And I find like, especially today with everything that is out there and I love social media, but social media, I think, I don't know why, but it causes a lot of people like pain for some reason. And I think maybe part of it is people are not in tune with, with what they want and they think that, oh my God, this other person is doing all these amazing things. Like, I'm sorry, but is that something that you actually want to be doing or are you like in your feelings? <laughs> um, and these are important questions that we need to ask ourselves, right? Like, what do I want to be doing with, with my life? Absolutely. How, what experiences do I want to have? And I'm so happy that you check in with yourself throughout the day because like, that probably makes more of a difference than you know, one would realize. It does. And I feel like I'm like, I still have a lot to learn because like I'm trying to be more authentic myself and I still catch myself, you know, not being present or feeling certain emotions because I feel a lack or like I'm not enough or different things. But, um, yeah, I just, 
I think that awareness, and this is something I've also learned, is that the more we try to avoid uncomfortable feelings, the more we try to do, the more we divert to negative habits, like mm. eating too much or like drinking or like other different negative habits because we're trying to divert from what's really there. But yeah. I feel like you just allow yourself to sit with it. This is what meditation does too. It teaches you to be like, oh, that's a thought, but I'm not identified with that thought. So the sooner you cannot identify with thoughts and emotions and know that those are tools, I think that's when things change for me too, is like, I am not that anger that I'm feeling. I am mm. not like that situation that's happening. I am me. And these are just merely like emotions are indicators that our body gives us about about certain things. And rather than being upset that I'm feeling anger, it's like, oh, thank you for telling me that something's wrong. So what is, what are you telling me? Mm -hmm. and, and I was, and I'm also reading this book by the same author who does Simple Abundance, Sarah Ben Brechner. And it's, it's a yellow cover and I think it's called Something More. And there was this one entry where it was just like, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And she talks about how um, usually when we feel like negative emotions or we feel sad or we feel like these different things that we don't want to feel, it's because we're not connected to ourselves. Mm. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. And it's like, it's, there's something scary too about being connected to myself because it's almost like we're just afraid to be vulnerable. I don't know, but right. there's so much value in finding that awareness and in really taking seriously your authenticity and learning who you actually are very powerful very powerful because it th there's no one there's no one like us right and so I think we're doing ourselves a service and we're doing others a service when we come yes. as we are without you know fear of judgment and like none of this I know is like a lot of this can be hard to put into practice and you know yeah. like I've, str I've struggled with that and we've talked about this before like offline yeah. um, but day by day like we're constantly improving and we're constantly, you know, if we take the efforts to do so, um, yeah. becoming better. And that, that really inspires me. I wake up in the morning, just super excited to tackle it. And, um, yeah, just living life to the fullest, which you mentioned earlier. So thanks for sharing that habit. I, I really want to implement that as well. Um, as we head to like the end of the interview, there are two questions that I ask all my guests, but before that, um, I'd really like to get your take on advice that you have for um, traveling abroad, for example, because I know that can be a scary thing and it's something that I'm deliberating with right now. Um, but like advice that you have for moving to a different city, moving across the ocean and, and living elsewhere for a bit. What has helped you with that move? Well, at first it was not easy because I'd never done it before. And so I didn't know what to do with myself, but I guess looking back, if I could tell myself then these things, I would probably say, so you mean like moving or just traveling to visit? Uh, no, not traveling to visit, moving, like moving. living, living abroad. Yeah. So my first thing is to have an open mind, a hundred percent have an open mind and know that nothing is permanent. Like, just because you decide to move somewhere doesn't mean that that's it and you can never move back because I know it's a really scary idea. Yeah. Um, second of all, I would say integrate yourself as much as possible. The first three months that I was in Zurich, I kind of, there's just the shock of everything. Now, granted, I had just gotten married, just moved to another country, never been to Europe. So like I had like five things that were all new to me at once. Yeah. Those first three months, I kind of just like out of like shock and fear, stayed inside of my apartment for three months, and I just watched Gossip Girl, <laughs> and I was just like trying to like feel like I had control over my life. And I remember I got so depressed. But then I reached out to the local animal shelter and asked if I could walk the dogs. Um, I asked, like you know, I joined a writing group or like I went to church and met friends and met with them. So like. I made sure that I like integrated and then my husband's really great about getting me out of the house and he's an adventurer. So we would go visit this place. And so like, as soon as he would show me a new place, I felt comfortable taking transit there. Yeah. So like, basically just integrating. And if you have someone or can meet someone that can get you out of your comfort zone and just like going somewhere. And then honestly, like 
don't like another thing that I loved is getting rid of stuff like being able to move purging (laughs) purging yeah exactly yeah seriously we are not our stuff you don't need it like yeah just go and like you design your life like go there be open-minded put a time cap on it if that helps you and like I think another thing that I learned and wish I learned quicker was to just allow change to happen and not resist it so much because before we lived in Zurich I was very like I didn't like change I liked everything to just be the same way it was pretty <laughs> safe but thankfully this authenticity journey teaches us that like the more you think the more you try to cling to sameness that's the ego that's what Eckhart Tolle says when we want things to be the same that's our ego looking for stability for security yeah, yeah. And it's when we step out of that comfort zone that that's when our spirits really take, you know, the front row or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So, yeah, just don't be attached to things. Know that it's only for a certain amount of time. Be open-minded. And I guarantee you by the end of however many years or whatever that you're in a new place, you are going to be like, it's worth it. Like if you're even just like toying with it, but it feels right and you're just scared – do it like we are so resilient guys like you don't understand. Yes. okay can we talk about this resilience yeah, thing sure, sure. I, okay so I had coffee and I I love that advice like just go for it and explore and literally I know that I would come back a different person and I can imagine like just the way that you're talking about your experience um abroad it's something that you just you obviously wouldn't go back and change it right because you're the Francesca today that because of those experiences right because of going out um, outside of your comfort zone and just testing it Um, so I was sitting with this amazing woman for coffee and she says you know sometimes we think that we're these fragile human beings but like no we can handle so much more than we could ever believe and I think it's only when you're put in those situations you realize how strong you actually are um but that's so true thanks so much for mentioning the resilience aspect of that and just to kind of bounce off of that I I am so grateful to see how other people live and that other people can live differently than you and it's not wrong Mm. so going to Europe and seeing the lifestyle and the way they think and the way that things run, it like opened my eyes completely to a different way of life than what we're used to in the States. And like, I don't know about Canada, but you know, I'm sure for you too, like any, any chance you get to see how other people live and think and act, it's only going to help you make better decisions for yourself because you see what's out there and just keep an open mind because just because something's different from you doesn't mean it's wrong. And just because you're different from something else doesn't mean you're wrong. And kind of going back to that resilience, the last weekend that my husband and I were in Switzerland before we went to the States, back to the States, we wanted to go on a hike, right? And we hadn't been on one. It was a beautiful summer day. And we started at the bottom of this mountain. And we thought, because Google, God bless Google. <laughs> um, it showed us this path. And we started climbing this beautiful forest area, this mountain. And we noticed that everyone was coming down. Like, no one was going up. And we're like, that's weird. Like, why are we the only ones going up? Yeah. So shortly after, we get through the forest and we break through and this is like beautiful, just like green everywhere, cows with bells on them. Like, it was just like a movie. Like, you could never imagine this stuff up. It was just gorgeous. And so as we kept going, I think we either stopped someone or like we suddenly realized everyone usually takes a gondola to the top and walks down. Like no one does what we had no idea. And so we're like, okay, well, we're already halfway either direction. Yeah. So we yeah. should just keep going, right? Yeah. And so our goal was to get to the top and go to this beautiful restaurant, have some food, and then take the gondola down. And okay. so it's literally like three hours, right? So we're like oh. – tired I'm like oh my gosh I can't wait for this food I'm like so exhausted but it was beautiful so we get to the top and there's the restaurant and I'm like great we're taking pictures and then for some reason something told me to ask the waitress when the last gondola went down she's like oh the last one goes in 15 minutes and I'm like well what happens if we don't make it she's like you'll have to walk down or like figure something out and I'm like oh my gosh so we 
after like this was three hours we had already been uphill yeah. mountain, okay so it took even more uphill climbing and literally i am not even joking we i felt like i was gonna die i'm like okay i'm gonna sleep on the back of the mountain before we make it to the top it was 15 minutes but it felt further and further away the yeah. more we went up and like i started getting tunnel vision and it was just like how am i going to make it to the top but then i just kept thinking okay we have to walk down if we don't make it we have to walk down if we don't make it and so i'm shorter than my husband he's six foot tall so he's like if one of us can just make it there and tell them to hold it for us. Right, right. So I'm like, okay. And so I'm literally just like, I wanted to give up every step, step of the way. And then I told myself, okay, you can do this. You can do this. Like, there's no other way you have to do this. And so thankfully we made it up there. I was red faced, like couldn't even breathe. And people were looking at us like, what's wrong with these people? And I'm just like, you have no idea. Like we just climbed this whole <laughs> the journey. That we went yeah. We didn't even have a break. Like yeah. we literally were going, and so towards like when we were waiting for the gondola to go back down, my husband told me, and I'm like, I wish he would have told me this before we ended this. But he said that in the Marines or something that they tell them that just when you think you're about to break, you've only hit 40%. Yeah. Oh, I've heard this. I heard this. Yeah. Of your potential, like, right? Yeah. Of your potential. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, what a cool way to think of it. Like yeah. I thought I was going to die. I thought I would never make it. And that was only 40%. Yeah. And that just like changed so much for me. And it was a really cool yeah. experience. Uh, thanks for sharing that story. Um, okay. David Goggins is someone you should check out. He's all about like, he is an insane athlete. Oh my God. But that's another conversation that we can get into. But David yeah. Goggins, like note his name down. You need to search okay. up his stuff. Um, but yeah, that we've reached only 40% of our potential or approximately 40% of our potential. And it's crazy because like, even when he's exercising, like he's not even human. Like the way he <laughs> talks I don't know about his story. Um, <clears throat> but even when he's running, I think that's what he tells himself. You know, like if I just the moment that you feel like, okay, literally, like I am done, I'm tired, I just, I can't keep going. He tells himself, okay, just like two more minutes. And yeah. then he keeps going. Like just tell yourself a minute, a minute more, whatever. And I think you can apply that to any part of your life, right? Like just yeah. there's this image that I always see going around online where um, there are two individuals. Uh, two separate images, two individuals that are like digging um, underground. And um, it shows an image of like gold at the end of this trail. And one person, like just as they were about to break through to that treasure, they're like, okay, I can't do this. And they make their way back. And the other person is like still going, still pushing, still persisting. And that's how I see life, right? Like yeah. if you just don't give up, keep going after what you want to. Um, yeah. achieve and what your vision is so there's so much great I think on the other side 100%. our minds are so much more powerful than you realize and I yeah. guarantee anyone listening the reason that you and I or someone else maybe isn't I mean granted you need time to get to where you need to go but a lot of it's mental like we stop ourselves so much because of a belief or because of our mentality it's like we could accomplish so much if we just let ourselves get out of our own way mm -hmm. so appreciate that um, so the final, thanks so much for being here. The final two questions on the podcast are, um, the first one being like, is there a, any resource that really helped you? Um, let's say at any part of your journey, you can choose whichever, um, like whatever turning point that you want to discuss, but like maybe when you were abroad or when you were coming back and to the U S and living in New York now, um, is there any podcast or book that really helped you at a certain point of your life? That you'd like oh, to share goodness um that's a really tough one um i'd say for gosh i could list so many books and you already have <laughs> you already and, have i was gonna say you are a badass it doesn't have to be a book it can be like a person it could be a podcast it could be a program that you went through whatever mm. you seem to love marie forleo i love marie forleo love 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 her uh, <laughs> Yeah, I took our copywriting course and that was really awesome. Um, but I would say probably like You Are a Badass was a good starting point. By like, Jen? Huh? Jen Sincero? Yeah, like when I was starting my morning routine stuff, I think I was reading that book and it was really like, it's a good entry point into elevating your mindset. Okay. 
So that's what I would say. Love it. Yeah. And the final question on the Power Vibe podcast, which is very fitting, is Francesca, what's your why? What do you feel like you were meant to do during your time here? Um, I have often felt like my why is to help other people not feel so lonely because that's something mm-hmm. that I struggled with. And the more I studied mindset, um, I realized how one we are. And so I feel like my purpose is to find those people who maybe are looking for that answer or that person or that group of people and welcoming them in and then doing it together. Like that's mm-hmm. just, I see it visually, but I think my why is, um, helping others who feel lost or alone and giving them that hope again. And hopefully through my example, giving them that hope. Love it. Thank you so much for um, accepting this invitation to be featured. I mean, I find your story so inspiring and I couldn't help but share it on the platform. So thank you again, Francesca. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad that you're, you know, we're friends and that you're doing this amazing work as well. I think it's wonderful. So thank you. Thank you. And everyone, thank you so much for watching episode 15 of the Power of Why podcast. Um, In the show notes, I'll have all of Francesca's information and um, where you could reach her. So stay tuned. Ciao. Hey there, it's Naomi again. How did you find the episode? I'm very curious because these are all women that have impacted me in a very specific way and to share their stories is the ultimate privilege. So make sure to subscribe to the Power of Why podcast if you haven't already and leave a review down below. Can't wait to hear your thoughts.